Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the bonus episode of Wheels Up. I'm James, and I'm here with my co-host, B. And today, we're bringing you special features info. We're bringing you episode rankings. We're bringing you all of the good stuff you've come to expect from this podcast, Wheels Up. B, why don't you say hello? Hi, this is a fun energy we have in the studio here today. This makes it sound a little bit like an awards show. Like, I feel like we should give out an award. We'll you give know? out awards in the form of a ranking the best from episodes one to ten. of the season. Yes. And also the best characters this season. We have so much fun stuff here today. The special features are way better than they were first season, I gotta say. Oh, 100%. I think they realized... Just like in the show, they realized that the audience wants to know about these characters. Mm -hmm. And the behind the scenes of the first season was like, here's the blueprint, the floor plan for the BAU, you know. Yeah. And this season, there was a lot more about the thought process and the making of and all those good things. It's fun. I'm really excited, actually, to rank this season also i'm very excited for that because like i kind of i get what like our lower ones are but there's a lot of episodes that are just like pretty good this season all right let's go through some of these bonus features let's go through these bonus features you're using your npr voice and i don't know if you know that you are i am okay as it's long a, as you're aware of it it's a bonus episode so you get the bonus Should I also voice. try and like do a Please. bonus voice? I really, I don't think I have as good of an NPR voice as you do. <laughs> I think I can maybe do like a chill, like smooth jazz radio station host, but I don't know. I'm very that interested like, in good. that. No, it's like, very this good. This is, this is kind of as NPR as I get. And it kind of goes like a little lower and a little mumbly, but I'm into it. Yeah. It's a very like calm energy now. And it's, I'm. Yes not the calm one on this podcast am i the calm one on this podcast no but i'm the one who keeps trying to hype us up to do like more and cooler things like keep the energy up so i feel we like can keep in the that energy regard, up. this is one of those like hey jazz fans we got a cool playlist smooth jazz you. over the bay with b here exactly. with the coolest and newest in jazz Wow. Anyway. I'm going to stop doing that voice now. Do I'm going to just talk like a normal person sure. <laughs> and we'll just go from there. What's up? What are we doing, James? Okay, so our first deleted scene takes place during season Did two. Did we play the theme song yet? Sorry. No, I'm I sorry. didn't know if we were going to. I think we should still play the theme song. Maybe, you know what? Let's just go into the theme song now before we go into these like deleted scenes, shall we? Oh, we're talking about deleted scenes, but we haven't deleted that theme song. <laughs> this is what plays on my smooth jazz radio station. <laughs> smooth jazz over the bay with b if you're interested in some smooth jazz over the j with b over the j with b now is this implying like a leapfrog situation 
Maybe. I am your <laughs> desk. I'm your desk. Yeah. <laughs> just sort of, I'm just kind of gonna, I guess, <laughs> anyway. we'll work on the logistics later. Deleted scenes, now, let's go, yeah. Great. Welcome back. Our first deleted scene is from season two, episode seven, North Mammon. It's after the case has been solved, the girls have returned, JJ's done her I too was a soccer player speech, and she's escorting Polly's mom out of the building. Polly's mom thanks her for, you know, believing in her, and JJ says, you're the one who convinced me you came all the way to Quantico for this, and, you know, you did it, you convinced me, you won me over, and Polly's mom asks if JJ has any advice for the girls. And JJ says, just make sure she knows that she didn't do this. He did it. She just survived. Now, I want to bring up that JJ, whether or not AJ Cook knows it yet, suffered a tragedy in her childhood. Mm-hmm. Her sister Roz died and JJ found her. So I think it's really interesting that JJ's advice is, you know, tell the victim in the situation it's not their fault and that it's okay to survive and it's okay to keep living because that's what JJ had to learn. I do like it. It's a really good JJ cutscene. It is. I'm really mad they cut it. I know. It's, same. It's, they were like, it's too just character, but that's why it's so good. Anyway, the Polly's mother asks if JJ will stay and visit with the girls and JJ's like, soon, but not now. I'm busy. JJ, we learn in 14 seasons, has not gone back to her hometown except for like since she left high school. So she she didn't come back and hang out and kick the soccer ball around. (laughs) But also Polly's mother calls it East Allegheny instead of North Mammon. So, and later AJ Cook says something in another deleted scene about how JJ's hometown is North Mammon. So that was really interesting that, like, this is JJ's hometown, in theory, or close to it. And And mm -hmm. did they just, like, rewrite some things in this episode? Did they? I think they're using East Allegheny to reference the east part of Allegheny County. And I think what you said when we spoke off the air, that these towns are so close together that, you know, the difference is the high schools. And yeah. not necessarily, like, the town The lines. town. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I think that tracks. I think the difference mm-hmm. is probably just, like, which school district you're in, not, like... Yeah. I mean, the same way that, you know, when I used to visit my grandfather, he lived in Punta Gorda, but when he went grocery shopping, he drove up to Arcadia, the next town over, to go grocery shopping, because Punta Gorda apparently didn't have a fucking grocery store, you know? (laughs) So it's like that kind of thing where you're driving from town to town, but they're the same place exactly it's like kansas city kansas and kansas city missouri they're the same town it's just you cross the river you know exactly exactly so there is a theory that jj's hometown is based on clareton pennsylvania which is a suburb of pittsburgh and we know that jj's undergrad was 
the University of Pittsburgh. So it makes sense to me that she grew up in a small town surrounded by woods just outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah. She probably said things like, we're going to the city this weekend. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. So if you want a real life equivalent, we've got it. We've got you. Finally. In Jay's, <laughs> as part of Jay's insane quest to try and make the timeline and place time, place I'm line of best. Criminal Minds make sense, we've got you covered here. Yes, I'm doing my best. <laughs> You're trying so hard and I do appreciate that. Thank you. The next deleted scene we get is from season two, episode 16, Fear and Loathing. Now, we learn something interesting from this special feature. Fear and loathing was meant to take place before the big game. Fear and loathing was supposed to be season two, episode 14, and instead was season two, episode 16, which makes sense because there are a lot of flashbacks to Reed's torture the only drug scene we get is him looking at drugs in the bathroom right and we learned they had to reshoot three scenes in this episode because of having moved it to make it make sense they have to reshoot to make him look like drugs and that's why it keeps cutting to flashbacks because they don't have enough footage to make reed look like he's on drugs. on drugs and it also like makes sense from a television production standpoint you only have so much time once it, once shows start going out weekly you like can't stop that you know and with a lot of where you more and more used to now where like the whole show is shot and then edited and then released on streaming platforms or something but this was a serialized show on cbs they were still filming the end of the season when the beginning of the season started airing. So like you don't necessarily have time to go back and you can just like, fuck it. The editor will handle it in post. (laughs) Like we'll add some flashbacks. We'll add one scene where he looks at drugs and we'll reshoot a Morgan and, you know, Reed scene. And like, you know, that makes sense. It sucks. And also, it makes the episode have a weird vibe, which doesn't help fear and loathing at all. Yeah. Because we talked about it. It's our lowest ranked episode of season two, I believe. No, it is our lowest ranked episode of season two, actually. Yeah. So that all certainly did not help. <laughs> so anyway, what was the deleted scene actually of? The deleted scene, so this is the episode where we learn Emily Prentice is kind of a nerd. And at the end, on the plane, she gives she gives Derek a copy of Mother Night that she got in the airport. The Kurt Vonnegut book that she's surprised is in an airport. And they have their cute little moment where she jokes about being three years younger than she is. And Derek... like tells her chapter three is when it gets good and all that stuff and emily prentice walks away and reed has this smug little shitty grin on his face and derek's like what what and reed basically teases derek for flirting with emily prentice 
they apparently always sit next to each other at the round table. She's been hanging around his desk. And Derek says, Emily Prentice isn't the kind of girl who goes after Derek Morgan. Cause she's, a lesbian. Because she's, you know, gay. Because she's gay. Because <laughs> she's a lesbian. Yeah. But... That's not what he means. He says she's too smart to think that she could change him. He's not ready to settle down. And, you know, Derek makes fun of Reed for, like, giving him advice. And then you find out it was just a distraction so that Reed could win Jin. But it's a funny little moment because Derek isn't like, I don't like her. Derek is like, if she were up for it, I'd hook up with her. <laughs> It's like, hey, I'd it's be down very, if you were down. It's very actually, it's so funny to me. Like, I also like that Derek assumes Emily Prentice would want like a relationship. Yeah, and he's very sweet, I think, in that way. Yeah, he's like, oh no, she's too smart for me. Like, you know, if she'd wanted, she'd want to date me, and I'm not really interested in dating. I would, which is very emotionally intelligent of him incredibly but now i want to fic like a demily fic where he like they're into each other but like she's not gonna make a move because she like thinks he's interested and then he isn't gonna make a move because he thinks she wants to be his girlfriend and demily is like i don't care about like dating Derek. we spend all of our time together i just want to see you naked like <laughs> Come on, we Derek. have to stop partially writing fix on this podcast, actually, <laughs> I think. It's part of our charm. Is it? Yeah. Is listeners, it? listeners, tell us if you like our imagines, our criminal minds imagines. Oh, God. No, we can't even brand them as imagines. We cannot do that. We cannot. We cannot do that. Oh, no. Okay. Uh. So that was the second deleted scene. Yeah. The third deleted scene is called. Was the third one? Sorry. The next special feature, the first special feature, is called Profilers Profiled. And it's about not all, but some of the characters. There's no Hotch special features. Hotch is not in. Oh, like, yeah. Any He's of like the not in features. any of these. Yeah, not interviewed. I wonder or if they just couldn't get Thomas Gibson back on set. Maybe, but I'm surprised they didn't even like talk about him. I don't know. But anyway, so we learn about and they said this in the season one special features. Edward Benero said that who's like the head producer said in the first special features that season one was just establishing like the world what they do, what the job is, how the episodes are going to go. Season two is more about learning who the characters are. And then season three is when we start getting like where they're going. We start seeing development. So this is season two. And they mention, you know, in season one, they did their best not to go home with the characters to keep it really focused on the cases. But in season two, they've realized how much fans are attached to these characters and how much, we want to see the characters outside of the job. And I think that's why we get all these bar scenes at Ziggy's this season. Yeah. 
yeah, we get to see them, you know, having fun out of their out of their work element. And okay, <laughs> he did say they, you know, they they want that they didn't want the show to be serialized. They wanted you to be able to sit down and watch an episode and not need you know a story catch up. But they know that there are fans who watch the show really intensely and want more details and information and clues. So he said they leave cookies for people as a treat. And I was like, oh, no, I've been caught. (laughs) You've been found out. They knew. They knew you were going to be here one day. And they were like, we got to leave these for our good friend, James. We don't (laughs) know when they'll show up, but they'll be here eventually. So (laughs) exactly. Okay. And then we get title cards. Our first title card is Jason Gideon, the mystery man. The mystery man. We died. We just started cackling. It's just so. He's not. The mystery man. There's a difference between being mysterious and having nothing going on. <laughs> There's no mystery. There's, the There's difference. just nothing there. Yeah, exactly. There's a difference between when a channel turns to static and then when you never turn the TV on in the first place. Like Exactly. The mystery man. Give yeah. me a fucking break. So Mandy Patinkin says that at first he didn't like that they weren't, you know, making Gideon a full character. And now he loves the mystery. He likes not knowing whether or not Gideon's married as the ring. He calls the, his wedding ring a wish ring. Like, if I wear a wedding ring, I'll manifest a wife. Or like a promise ring. It, like, it would have made more sense if it was like a promise ring or an engagement ring. Like, you can still wear those on your ring finger. Yeah. But also, we see him go on, like, two dates. So we know he's not married, presumably. I guess. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, and then Mandy- also, hmm. Mandy Patinkin obviously did not love the mystery that much. He does sort of leave after this season. Oh my gosh! He does just ghost. So after after season three, episode one, we will speculate on the original we'll order speculate. of things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because season three, episode one is very much like in the same way Fisher King part two was like season one plus. Um, yeah. Season three, episode one, doubt is season two plus. <laughs> Out of necessity, I guess. Okay, Mandy Patinkin basically says that Gideon is a savant for profiling and that he can't have any emotions because he ha- if he has any emotions, he would lose himself and like break which is interesting because in no way out two he gets emotional and then he breaks yes so i think that's really interesting next is spencer reed the dangerous mind this is dangerous mind this is pretty much them talking about how like he has maybe a mental illness. Matt, okay. Spoiler alert or content warning for shitty talk about mental health and for the R word. But Matthew Gray Goobler 
says that Spencer Reed is kind of like a serial killer and that he like really understands it because he's also mentally ill and he calls him borderline schizophrenic and a drug addict. And there's an interview from around this time where he says Reed has to have Asperger's to have so many dis- degrees. And then he does say that he himself, Matthew Gay Gubler, calls himself border or calls himself functionally R-word. Functionally retarded. And I don't like that. I don't either. The way Matthew Gray Goobler talks about Spencer Reed kind of sucks really bad. Yeah. Like. He calls, he talks about Spencer Reed as like, you know how you call me or you call people like a little freak energy as like a compliment? Yeah, Matthew of course. Matthew Goobler says little freak energy derogatory. <laughs> yeah, he does just mean it like derogatory. It's really weird. It's really weird. He sees Spencer as just like this, like weird, freaky guy who might snap at any day and start killing people. And like, but he's real smart. And I just like respect also, this man. Like, borderline schizophrenia is just i believe that would just be classified as like bpd right no schizophrenia is on a spectrum so you have low-end schizophrenia which is what i have that's you know triggered by things like stress or exhaustion and it, it isn't the whole like you know they're watching us or like you're seeing people but it is a sense of you know, you've got your paranoia, mm-hmm. you get, you know, occasional like auditory hallucinations or visual when you're like incredibly stressed. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, which is full on like, I think there's another person in the room with me for real, for real. Yeah. You know, so so that there is no borderline schizophrenic. It's a spectrum. Yeah, that's what I, way, th- like, th- that's what I, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That's yeah. so I'll forgive weird. him for saying Asperger's because I don't think this that was two thousand seven. Yeah, that hadn't been kind of like removed from the vernacular at the time, but it's just like weird. No, but BPD is like its own. Okay, yeah, thing. it just shares a lot of it does symptoms with. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so feels bad the way MGG talks bad. about Spencer. Like this whole little segment about Spencer left a bad taste in my mouth. It really feels like he's entirely playing off of the stereotypes of these mental disorders and not, he like didn't do any actual research on autism. He didn't do any actual research on schizophrenia. He just was like, I get it. They're like weird. And that's what he It's like, Spencer. you know, like when people are weird, like. You know, like when people are like. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just bad. Yeah. We also learned that the writers thought it was super cool to give him a drug habit and that having a drug habit humanizes him. I I think they re- the writers really think they are writing this character that is like perfect, genius, amazing, nothing cracks him. We see him as this like 
you know, walking, talking, Paragon of profiling, yeah. Right. And so by giving him a drug habit, it shows he has flaws and therefore humanizes him. But Spencer has o- Spencer has always been a human. And the fact that the writers think it takes a drug habit, a drug addiction to humanize him, tell me they don't see him as human all the time, which is a lot. And they call him like a cheat sheet for writers because when they need exposition, they just give it to Spencer. Well, to be fair, he's always been a plot device. He's always been a little like... Exactly, exactly. It's just... Spencer's always kind of sucked, you guys. He's always been human in the way that I probably would have bullied him in high school because he talks like a fucking dick sometimes. Like... I feel like I would have tried to be spend friends with Spencer and then he would have said something really mean and like not apologized for it. And then I'd be like, okay, yeah, I don't talk to that kid anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, I think he has all the elements of a really cool character, but MGG's dismissiveness, he clearly wasn't fighting for Spencer to be respected and then the writers seeing him as more of a plot device than a person, I think ruined his chances. Yeah. And then when they made him main character, it was like, how do you make a plot device a main character? I don't know. Yeah, and I think also, like, this goes into a lot of stuff later. Like, obviously like once spencer becomes the main character of a group show like even though in this like even in the first season we've talked about the fact that like he doesn't get consequences for the fact that he's a fucking dick to people sometimes yeah a lot like there's no consequences for the fact that he's a fucking dick to emily there's no consequences for the fact that like it's just he he almost slept with a victim instead of protecting her yeah like there needs to be something. Yeah, and I think that's... Yeah, having someone go through trauma a bunch of times isn't growth unless they, like, change from it. Unless Sorry. they grow as a person? Yeah. Get it's Spencer just, some therapy. Get Spencer some therapy that works, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't okay. know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so that's Spencer. Then we get the tough guy, Derek Morgan. It's a really cute segment where Spencer just like talks or it's a really great section where Shamar Moore talks about how like amazing it was to play Derek in Profiler Profiled and how he got to go to Chicago and check on his girls, meaning his sisters and his mom. And he talks about how, you know, as an actor, you fill in the things that the writers haven't given you about your character. You know, they give you some stuff and you kind of fill in the rest. And he had no idea about Derek's childhood assault. And when it came out, he loved it because he loved that he got to play this macho guy who had this really vulnerable secret and he can still be hot and sexy and strong and funny and vulnerable and sensitive. And I loved Shamar more. 
in that. The way he talked about it is a complete 180 from oh, the way yeah. that like MGG talks about Spencer, right? Like oh, yeah. you can tell Shamar like cared and like did his research and yes. like tried to play that with nuance and strength. And he did, and obviously. He did. Profiler Profile is one of the best episodes of this show, oh, period. Yeah. Mainly because of his performance. It's fucking lights out phenomenal. Yeah. And just like MGG Shamar being like, ah, ha, 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 drugs. And then Shamar Moore is over here like, you know, people have come up to me and told me that watching this episode made them feel like they could come forward about their own assault. And, you know, who cares about awards? What's really important is that you're touching people emotionally and helping them. I was just like, God, you're a great guy. You're weird as shit, but you're a great guy. <laughs> Like, I feel like MGG and Shamar Moore exist on the same, like, weird actor spectrum, but Shamar Moore is on, like, the genuinely a good person side of it, and <laughs> MGG's a little bit more in the middle. Like, just a little bit weirder, but not, like, for fun. On it's the, like a, on it's the axes, it is a graph, right? The top is super weird. The weird, the bottom is normal. Then the left is questionable. The right is a good person. You know, Shamar Moore is like top weird middle of good person. And then MGG <laughs> is like top weird middle of questionable. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. And they also said that, you know, they really wanted to look into why a guy who, a man who parties so much, who's living that kind of like, fun loose player lifestyle would choose a job like this that takes up so much of his time and so much of his life and i like that a lot next we get the small town girl jennifer Giroux. we learned that she is a supervisory special agent an ssa she has the certificate anyway yeah and then AJ Cook talks about how in season one it was really foggy what JJ's job was, which is true. Correct. Correct. And now we know that she's picking what they profile and all of that. And they talk about how, you know, JJ does her own profiling. They kind of confirm that her choosing cases is profiling and that in North Mammon, you know, she gets to profile these people, not because she has a profiler skills, but because she knows these girls, you know, and I think that in season three, we really start seeing JJ doing some profiling mm -hmm. and she'll start to grow more and more. And I, some people disagreed. So spoiler, whatever, JJ eventually becomes a profiler. Um, some people don't like that because they think, you know, she didn't start that way or she didn't have those skills at first. But mm -hmm. I like the idea, like, that JJ is a really smart person who just by hanging out with these people, picked up on the psychology, picked up on how to do it, and then through her own amicability and, and emotional awareness and all of that, learned the people side of it. And kind of came in, instead of coming in the academic way, she came in by being naturally good at understanding people and, you know, relating to people and then learned the academics of it. So I like that a lot. 
Yeah, they also talked about how, like, JJ's job as, like, a media liaison is something that's, like, highly sought after in the actual FBI, which I thought was interesting that they were like, hey, guys, she's good at this. Yeah, they said it was an incredibly hard job to get, incredibly, like, competitive. And there's JJ, all of 27. (laughs) Just thriving. Thriving. Okay. They also said that her job is gatekeeping the BAU, cops go to her and ask for access to them and she's like the BAU's gatekeeper so anyway girl boss gatekeep gaslight <laughs> JJ is truly girl boss gatekeep gaslight alright and then the um, last of the, of the women in the BAU JJ is gatekeep, gatekeep. Penelope is girl boss and Emily, Emily is, is gaslight, gaslight. <laughs> 100% yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad you saw where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, Penelope is girl boss, 100%. JJ, gatekeep. Don't talk to me unless you have a file. And Emily is gaslight. Oh no, I'm new here. I'm so shy. Anyway, I can read Arabic. Like, okay. <laughs> anyway, I have this super secret you're not going to learn for five fucking years. Like, <laughs> Speaking of Emily, the last section is the new kid. The Emily new Prentice. kid. New kid on the block. So, okay. Patchett is like, her mom's an ambassador and her dad, well, I don't really know what her dad does. Even fucking Paget doesn't know Emily's dad. <laughs> what Emily's dad and is. And she never will. And she never will, truly. She says that, you know, Emily's also a bit of a plot device. She doesn't know these people. So, we get to learn more about the team through Emily. Because, you know, even though Elle was new, she already kind of, like, knew the team from before. Like, she and Derek are really familiar her first episode. So this is, like, you know, they really wanted Emily to appear out of nowhere. She literally just shows up one day, has the job, nobody knew anything. But she's so good at it, and she's so charming that they forget she just appeared out of nowhere. Showed up out of nowhere. Yeah, and that she's, like, suspicious. Um... And I, oh, and they said that Emily's a really great listener, and that's something that's important. Like, she's always very, like, active listening to everyone, and I'm obsessed with that because it's correct. And then Patrick talks about getting the job, and she says, like, she knew it was super long hours, and she wasn't going to do this job unless it was a fun set. So she was like, is the set fun? And then she's like, it's the best set I've ever been on. <laughs> okay. Our next section the physical evidence. Shamar Moore calls the show the little train that could and then goes chugga 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 chugga. He's so weird. He's so weird. And I love him. We can't go back to that. We got to. We have to. It's in the contract. <laughs> the 15 year contract is that I get to go every bonus episode. Okay, get it out now. <laughs> yep, there it is. Okay. And then they talk about how they're trying to scare people. Ooh. Okay, the next title card is The P Word. We thought it was going to be profiling. It was procedural. <laughs> they say that they don't consider themselves a procedural. They see themselves as little thrillers every week which I think really fits to what we've said time and again about how 
it's got that those B horror movie vibes. Uh huh. The show treats itself like it's putting out a little mini horror movie every week, which I love. Yeah, I do enjoy it. And we also get to this later when they talk about all their like stunts and effects and such. Is like they just treat these like little like a little terrible horror movie yeah like a little like a little straight to vhs horror movie little film student projects every episode <laughs> yeah. million dollar film student projects okay <laughs> next is scenes of the crime basically just the production team you know gets to create all of the crime scene photos and the evidence. And they talk about how in season one, they left a lot up to the imagination, but in season two, they wanted a lot of crime scene photos and they wanted things to really feel real. And like, this is, you know, the third in a series. So there is a lot of those pictures and things. And G Victoria Rustin, who I think was head of like the props department. The art director. The art director. Thank you. She says that she has a whole stack of real crime scene photos and it's basically like her job to run the photo shoots, these crime scene photos. And they try and like the costume designer talked about how they weather the clothes, they make them look dirty because they've been laying out for a long time. Like no one's going to be wearing just new clothes. And I like the idea that like while the actors are filming Criminal Minds, there's just like 10 crew people running around doing dead people photo shoots. <laughs> yeah. I Love mean, it. yeah. What's your job? Oh, I take photos of the dead people. On Criminal Minds? On you Criminal Minds. You wouldn't know. It's this little niche show. It's just this little little show that could. Yeah. And there's a fun fact. So apparently Edward Bonero was a cop at one point. And he says that when people die, their mouths are never closed. And so if you see this crime scene photos, all of them have open mouths. Which is yeah. not like which wide open, but like, you know, loose. Does make sense. It does. It does. You know, we have to <laughs> And I muscles. didn't think about it until now, but like, yeah, that does make sense. We use muscle to close our mouths. So once you're not like, you have no tension anymore, your mouths fall open. Makes sense. Next. This is a win for me. This ep- this section is called Dad's Garage. They're talking about No Way Out, about Frank's trailer, and they mentioned that it was based on the Toy Box Killer. That's what I said in our episode. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I win. I'm so game. happy for you. You won this game that you made for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what is better than making up a game for yourself and then finding out it's real and also you won? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they talk about the inside of Frank's trailer and how it's a mixture of stuff from Sears that you'd like put in your dad's garage and then specialized tools for farming and like cutting carcasses and stuff. And they said it was actually like really scary to go into the trailer because it looked like a fucking murder trailer. Okay, next is the coolest title for anything. You can't traffic in human bones. The set director, Kathy Cahill, who is the best, was basically like, you can't we can't get a bunch of real human rib bones to make wind chimes out of them, can we? So they got a prop bone and made a cast of it and then just made a bunch of bones. And something I thought was really interesting was 
the wind chimes that Frank made, I never noticed this during the episode, but they showed them really close. And there are keys from the victims hanging from the bones that like dangly bit in the middle are victims' earrings. He didn't just use their rib bones, but he used their accessories and extra things to like decorate the bone wind chimes, which is wild. A really great little little thing done by the prop department there. I yeah. love it. And I love the implication that Frank is like so invested in giving Jane good gifts that he like goes through the victim's stuff to be able to like arts Make and it... crafts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Wow. Next is Group Cause Bombers. This is from Empty Planet. The Empty Planet actor says, everyone thinks I hate technology, but I just have mother issues. Really funny. <laughs> so really good. funny. So good. They talk about practical effects. They actually blow up the bus that blows up in the episode. They blow up a gas station. You know, there's the fires in houses that they show in the show. And basically what they do is make a fireproof set and then they have some elements within the fireproof set that will burn so it'll look like the whole place is on fire but it's really just like the specific things they've put there that they've planned for you know and there's always escape hatches and things to do and safety's number one etc so i liked that a lot that was fun to learn about next is oh yeah next is profiling in a vacuum there's not much here they don't give us any behind the scenes of anything they just show the scene from profiler profiled where they're in the white room and mm -hmm. the people are all around they just showed it and we're like isn't this neat <laughs> isn't this a neat little thing we did to help you visualize <laughs> Those i'm it. like yeah sure i guess sure Okay. Yes, sure, yeah. Then is House of Horrors. So the actress in Legacy who plays, I think her name is Maggie. Her name is Brie Blair. And she was just like covered in blood the whole time. She's just covered in blood, just hanging out, you know, yeah. as you do. So they filmed in an actual meatpacking plant on Skid Row in LA. So I guess I kind of have to eat my words on that one. I still, hmm. Yeah. I, I have to eat my words. That doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah, and they said that it was originally like an armory plant. So it was repurposed into a meatpacking plant. But they still had to like, you did win this game. They had to put the stencil in stencil slaughterhouse yeah. up on the doors. Yeah. They showed that. You know what? I do enjoy making up a game and winning it, actually. Now I've decided, I, I do enjoy that, yeah. It's the best thing to do. You make up your own game, surprise, it's real, and also you won. Yay. What's better than that? <laughs> okay. The next special... Uh, the next special feature section is called The Behavioral Science, Real Life Criminal Mind. And basically, they compare it to magic and to being psychic. And then we meet someone named Peter Schmick, 
who runs the Academy Group, which is basically like he used to be an actual BAU profiler, and now he runs like a private BAU company, and that's the, what he is, the Academy Group. And basically just talking about how, yeah, behavior leads to understanding what type of person would do these things. They mention how close to reality Criminal Minds is. Or parts of it, yeah. Parts of it. I'm assuming like the they mean the profiling. Not I assume they probably mean the profiling and some of the office work, I guess. Because they specifically showed the team like doing paperwork and like doing consultations when they were talking about this. Yeah. So I assume they mean like this is pretty accurate to the the full width and full scope of what the BAU does. The process of profiling. Yeah. yeah. And they talk about how everyone kind of brings does their own research to bring ideas to the writer's room and that's how they like come up with stuff. And of course they take some liberties with the story but they make the psychology as real as possible. Next, we have sexual sadism, sex, birth, death. They they love these little dumbass title cards in the middle here. Like, it's literally, like, not even a full minute after you got a title card and you're like, new title card. Like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get it. You guys know how to do this in After Effects. I'm so proud of you. Like, okay. And, (laughs) And for the visual effect... They just took the same way we made our Wheels Up logo from the Criminal Minds logo. They just replaced Criminal Minds and put sexual sadism. <laughs> there it is. It's like, Great. come on. Yeah. So anyway, they're talking about the link between sex and violence. And they said it'd be interesting to look at someone like a teenager who hasn't really had a sexual life yet. So how does the violence interact with sex if you like don't know what sex is you know, I haven't experienced you know don't know what a sexual experience is like so they mentioned the homicidal triad which is arson wetting the bed and a head injury which 35% of serial killers have this triad that's not true anymore it's not believed no one believes it anymore and Already 35% is not that high of a number, but whatever. We don't believe it anymore. It's kind of gone the way of fiber evidence. It's just not reliable. Then they talk about how fantasy plays a huge part of crimes. And many times people with serial killer impulses don't actually commit crimes they just get off to videotapes and porn and fantasies but for the people that it does motivate to act they then like will find sex workers and then compliant victims so like their example was women who really want to please you and really want to be praised so they go along with these uh, requests and then when that's not good enough it becomes non-compliant, non-willing victims, aka actual, well, I don't want to say actual crime, but like the serial killing of it all. Yeah. Next title card, Killing Teams, The Perfect Storm. Basically, all they tell us is that killing teams are usually men, or if it's a man and a woman, the woman is the weaker, so they did the opposite. Great. Next, 
women who kill jones we got some interesting facts on this one so first this man who's at the bau who's probably like 80 now started his own company says men by nature are more warriors than women are and that's why there's more male serial killers because men by nature are and again we have to talk about the bau consultants for this are the guys who used to work at the bau and then also have then since left to start a new firm called the academy um which is basically a private forensic behavioral analysis unit they do like consultations and stuff so like keep in mind you know that these people uh, were writing the books about criminal psychology And then saying shit like, men are naturally warriors. And it's just... Like, what in the... You can see where everything... Everything comes back to poor socialization of men within a larger context of a society. But also, like, y'all just say shit like, men are naturally warriors with your whole chest. Like, what the fuck? It's... You're so right that it's bioessentialism. It is. It, that's just what it is. And they're like not even slick about it. Like, what's up? Not even trying, they're not even like putting it under the veneer of like essentialist feminism. It's just, no, men bad. It's just bioessentialism. Like, men warriors. Okay? Yeah. Okay? God. Like, you know, the, okay. you know these people are TERFs. <laughs> oh, for sure. They don't know what a TERF is, but they are. This is what they are. Yeah. Okay. So then we learn that male killers go after sex. Female killers, it's usually for revenge. And then we get some statistics, which are interesting. 8% of serial killers are female. And from one to six, the most common weapon of choice, number one is poison, two is shooting, three is bludgeoning, four is suffocation, Five is stabbing and six is drowning. Bludgeoning being that high up is really surprising to me. Especially because they say next that women typically assault someone under their control or their supervision. And a lot of female serial killers either target old people, like the elderly, or sick people or children. So poisoning makes sense. You know, shooting, sure. That's that Eileen Warnos, that, you know, reference that's in the episode. But then, like, the way to kill children, I mean, don't. It, but Don't. If you were going to, it'd be suffocation and drowning. Those are the two main ways to kill children. So it's wild to me that just, like, bludgeoning. Bludgeoning's and just up there. Even with the male serial killers on the show, like, just, like, beating people to death is not high up. Yeah. Somebody should grab those stats someday. From the show? Yeah, like how every serial killer or every serial criminal from the show does their thing. Hmm. I'm not saying it should be you, but somebody should. Somebody probably already has. I need to do that. I need to go through the episodes to get my full timeline done anyway, so maybe we'll just marathon it. We'll just make another spreadsheet and just be like method of murder. Location, method of murder, how long the case lasts, and the date. 
a spreadsheet. And then we can make it into a table. Because I love sortable data. <laughs> we love accessible data. In this I house. love clean data. I fucking love a spreadsheet, though. Like, no joke. Okay. And then they talk about the motive of the woman in Jones. And that her motive is basically like, this trauma that I endured will continue to happen to me unless I do something about it. So she's like preemptively going after men who she thinks would assault her if given the chance, I guess. Okay, so then the next card is Parent Emergency, P911. What is a parent emergency? Is it an emergency that requires parents or are your parents having an emergency? We need to talk about, okay, first, the general stuff for this section is pedophiles love the internet because of anonymity. It's easy to manipulate people because you just tell them what they want to hear. The best way to combat it is for agents to go undercover. Also, we get confirmation here that this Criminal Minds writers expect their audience to be older adults with children and that they specifically write episodes about children to tug on the heartstrings of their audience. Criminal Minds was not written for 15-year-olds. Get off my back. Okay. Is that a thing people genuinely say? They say this crime show from CBS was written for, like, 15-year-olds? They don't say it was written for 15-year-olds, but they say if you're over 25 and you're watching Criminal Minds, why? Like, all the jokes are like, what? 30-year-olds writing fanfiction? Do they show Criminal Minds in the nursing home? That's something someone said to me. Like, in real life. Yeah. No, I know. I... No, I know. I would be preaching to the choir here because I have a feeling, according to our podcast statistics, by the way, which, like, we can see, the majority of our listeners are, like... I... I'm pulling it up exactly right now. The majority of our listeners fall into... Come on. I can tell you exactly. The majority of our listeners fall into that 23 to 27 age bracket, so I would just be, like, preaching to the choir. But... There's no expiration date on enjoying things. No, sorry, but like 17 to 21 year olds, you're not who procedural crime shows are made for. So, like, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, Euphoria might be made for you. Criminal Minds was not. Like, no. I really hate to break it to you. <laughs> Criminal Minds was made for like 30 year old people. Like, I really hate to break it to you. Also, yeah. the like 18 to 22 year old demographic for us is like, our, like, second lowest demographic of listeners. And I know we are not, like, we obviously are not (laughs) Criminal Minds, the television show, but also, like, 50% of our listeners fall into that 23 to 27 age bracket. 50%. That feels Everything else is, like, yeah, exactly. That's also just because, like, that's the age we are. That's the age our friends are. But, like, even fucking... More 45 and up year olds listen to our podcast than 18 to 22 year olds. 
Hi, 40-something-year-olds. How's it going? Hey, anybody want to be my sugar mommy? Like, I'm down. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying. Anyway, if like, you want to come on the show and tell us what the internet was like in 2007, we'd be happy to hear it. <laughs> because the way they talk about the internet in this episode is in this uh, little P911 is buck wild. Let's continue. Okay. Speaking of buck wild, they give us a nice little infographic of some common chat acronyms. POS. What does that stand for? Piece of you're shit. Gonna, you're going to say piece of shit. No. Parent over shoulder. Next is PIR. Parent in room. Then it's P-A-W. Parents are watching. Then it's K-P-C. Keep parents clueless. And then P-911. Parent emergency. What's what a is parent a parent emergency? emergency? Is it like help my parents found this chat room that I'm telling you? there's a parent emergency on like what's a parent emergency what is a parent emergency what's I going know. on there also i've never heard of any of these acronyms except for pos which does stand for piece of shit so i just thought that was a fun little <laughs> what does this mean it's like when they make all the common acronyms to be like drugs like whatever yeah okay lmao love me an overdose no, like, okay. Then the last section is lessons learned, which was interesting. Very propaganda-y, huh? Yeah. So they say that they try to have an episode, one episode each season that involves like all the things that BAU really does. So for example, the real BAU went to Gitmo and talked to people. So like, cool. I mean, they do that in the show. And they also mentioned that lessons learned are not, it's not just, they're not just talking about the lessons America learned after 911. They're, 911. <laughs> they're not talking about what America learned after 911. They're talking also about what the terrorists learned from how we responded to 911. Sorry, I'm not laughing about 911. I just, <laughs> he's laughing at me. 911. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'll stop laughing. Uh, okay and then mandy patinkin talks about how dialogue is important because when we stop talking we eradicate hope for making things better which seems really odd to me because like No. And in the episode, they. Dialogue doesn't really happen. You know, like, no. Yeah, like, we learned, sure, the Americans, like, killed his children, but he still, at the end of the day, like, doesn't tell them anything, still has his rant about the infidels. Like, we're not learning anything from that episode. So I don't know what they're like, what they fucking mean. It's kind of buck wild. It's, it's buck wild. The last section is meet Kirsten Bangs Ness. Dot, dot, dot. T. 
tech kitten. <laughs> we get a little moment of AJ Cook being like, I love when we have scenes together. It's illegal how much fun we have when we're on set. I love that she gets to go out of the office because then we're like, oh my God, Penelope's legs. Hilarious. So true. The They're fact that, so funny together. The fact that they become hot tub wine machine is like the best thing. Have you heard that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's Paget, Aisha Tyler, AJ Cook, and Kirsten. They call themselves hot tub wine machine because yeah, they so get true. together and get trashed in Kirsten's hot tub. And honestly deserved so, so true. deserved one time they did it before they had to go on set and accidentally got like a little drunk and so they like showed up to work like are bad we're a little <laughs> wine drunk right now super are bad guys super are bad yeah okay so kirsten basically says she like loves when garcia gets to go off campus and out in the team because it's like whole different vibes it's great then we get like a little scene of kirsten in her home in her kitchen she's like making frozen pizza and she puts like dollops of like ten dollar cheese on top and she's like you tear the pizza you don't cut it who cuts a pizza and then we meet her tiny dog named bastion and she shows up as shows us a sweater she knitted that has a heart on the front a star on one sleeve and a skull on the other sleeve. And then she has a shirt that has a picture of squirrels playing drums. Great. It's just so funny. She's so cute. And it's truly like chaotic gay 28 year old. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she shows us her theater company space called Theater of Note, which she still does shows with. If you follow her on Instagram, she posts all the time about them. So, like, that's really cool. The play she was doing at the time was about the Reagan era. And her dressing room is just the alley in the back. And she, like, hangs her clothes up on the fence. It's hilarious. We learned that she got into acting because in eighth grade, she stopped talking for an entire year because of how shy she was. She just, like, didn't talk. And then her mother forced her to do drama in ninth grade to like get her talking and she said she was like effortlessly good at it and she was like oh maybe i can keep doing this and then she shows us a bunch of headshots and like stunning gorgeous beautiful the 90s very the 90s they're really funny james took screenshots of all of them (laughs) i did i did maybe we can actually post them on insta (laughs) true and then she said she did a show once but she got totally naked on set on stage she'd be naked on stage for like four minutes which is fun and she says that shamar makes her do voices on set and like talk funny because of how she talked in her show which was like really cute and she like took us through all her headshots and it was good and then there was was really fun there was the gag reel what don't listen to us tell you about the jokes they're on youtube go watch it (laughs) exactly I loved it. I love the gag reel. The next season, season four and five's gag reel are the best gag reels, but two and three are pretty cute also. And that's that on the bonus features. 
And now, and now, we get to the hard part of this episode. The moment you've all been waiting for. The moment you've all been waiting for. Let's rank every single episode of this season. Okay. We're going to start from the bottom, work our way to the top. Okay. And we're going to give our reasoning for each episode and ranking and why we put it where we do. Um, And yeah, James, you should probably pull up the spreadsheet if you have not. Yeah, so obviously at the bottom, fear and loathing. Fear and loathing. For both, sure a bad episode. We both gave, gave it, a it a two. two. Out of ten. Out of ten. And so yeah. it's the lowest ranked episode for this season, and I think it deserved it. it I'm just going to kind of cross them off the list as we go down. Yeah. So then... My next lowest episode was Lessons Learned. I gave that a three. Yeah, I literally cannot remember what psychodrama is about. <laughs> well, good for you. I have the uh, the thing up here. Psychodrama is um that's the bank robber in L.A. who makes people act out his little dramas and stuff. Oh, and he's I know doing we, like a whole lot of drugs the whole time. I know we gave it a six, but I'm putting it next because I literally couldn't remember. I'm going to put lessons learned at rank 22 just because I don't like that episode and the patriotism of it all makes me a little sick in the stomach. I'm going to put lessons learned right above psychodrama. Lessons learned for those who don't remember. It's the one where they go to Guantanamo Bay and right. interview that one guy who was involved in a terrorist plot to release anthrax in a mall or something like that. I think I'm going to put the boogeyman as my fourth from the bottom, which is the one where Elle leaves, because I was so mad about it. Okay, no. hold up. Before you get to that one, I need to do a little ranking, and I think I'm going to oh. put... Oh, yeah. What's your third from the bottom? Yeah, what's my rank 21? Remember, we only have 23 episodes this season because it was supposed to be 24. They had to do some reshuffling. Yes. Um, so we'll rank 21, the third worst episode this season. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly really torn between Fisher King Part 2 and No Way Out Part 2. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you really didn't like No Way Out Part 2. I really didn't like No Way Out Part 2, and I also really fucking hated The Fisher King Part 2. <laughs> so I think that's going to be my rank 21. Yeah. So my rank 20 is going to be... What was the last word? I ranked it an 8, and I can't remember it. The last word is two serial killers sending the BAU to St. Louis, and that's... Right. Um, it's also... The episode that Emily comes in. Right. She's just at the, at the you know, she's bookending yeah. the episode, but she's there. I think I'm going to make... Which did I like more, Aftermath or The Fisher King? I'm going to make Aftermath my number 20, which is the one where Elle actually shoots the guy. Hmm. Hmm. Now that's interesting. You go a lot less off of the your number rankings and a lot more off of your gut vibe checks, don't you? Well, the rankings are like I've seen it, I've 
we've just talked about it. Here's the how I would rank this episode if it was like if I sat down and watched this episode, I would pick it. The rankings are you know, every episode of the season compared to every other episode of the season directly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's just, I operate a lot more off of, like, generally how I liked the app. Well, me, that's what I'm doing. I know, I just... But, like, I guess... You're jumping around rankings a lot more than I do. Yeah, you just have to think about, like, the other episodes. I know, it's just hard i i'm gonna deviate a little bit from you i already did lessons learned i'm not gonna do aftermath yet i think i might go my next one after fisher king part two it might be honor among thieves honestly you don't want to put no way out there you were just like no No? I'm not arguing. I'm just making an observation. No, no, but and I'm no, saying you're arguing think... with yourself. Like, do I put Fisher King in No Way Out? Yeah, I think here's the thing, though, is I do also think No Way Out, for as much as I didn't like the episode, it serves an important purpose in the whole, like, sure, the whole narrative of the season. And I think it is more important to the whole season overall than Honor Among Thieves was. And okay. I generally just thought Honor Among Thieves is a little more boring and a little more confusing. Okay. So rank nineteen. I put the boogeyman right above aftermath. So you put boogeyman then aftermath. Okay. Just the two, you know, albums. I think. What was distress? That is the flashbacks. PTSD. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. The guy being homeless and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that episode. Well, that was pretty good, too. Hmm. Do I want to put Boogeyman or Aftermath? I don't know. I genuinely, I genuinely enjoyed Boogeyman and Aftermath. Live your best life. Season one, we really agreed with. This one, we did not. So This do- one, yeah, I think we <laughs> will have, I think, similar opinions once we reach the top, like, right. five or so. But getting there is going to be a little bit of a slog. <laughs> I think... Mm, I think I'm going to go Distress at 19. Mm-hmm. I put the perfect storm for 18. For 18. And then maybe I go psychodrama. But psychodrama was good. I enjoyed it. I have already forgotten what it was about. The bank robber and... Right. <laughs> Just open <laughs> the IMDb season page. That's what no. I have open. You're I'm basing, let me do it. I'm basing ranking on if I remember the episode exists or not. That's part of my ranking. If I forget this episode even exists, not good. It's hard, though, because there are a lot of really good episodes. Exactly. So it's hard to get Uh, these, like, lower-of-the-table ones out of here. Because we, again, like I said, I should actually note before we get too deep into this, we both ranked this this season overall higher than we ranked season two, or season one, obviously, by two whole points. So our combined rankings for season one was a 4.48 for like 
numbers wise and this one is a 6.8 so like we've upped it yeah it's got better it's a lot better huh yeah um man you're just going hold up let me catch up real quick we need to make this an interesting audio experience for our listeners oh i haven't said them out loud yet Okay, so I, I think... put The Perfect Storm at my number 18. It was fine. I didn't like it. It was set in Tallahassee, and it was wrong. I think I'm going go, to go with you on that one, actually, is putting that at 18. For 17, I'm putting The Last Word, which we ranked... I gave it an Pretty eight. highly. I gave yeah. it a nine, yeah. But again, I wouldn't go back and watch it for fun. And that's what really counts. I'm going to rank Aftermath and Boogeyman at... Uh, 17 and 16 mm-hmm. um, those two good episodes I think just sort of pissed me off in general yeah um, just the vibes were fucking off um yeah. I'm putting P911 at 16 which I know is gonna be so much lower than you wow really yeah it's just it's not because I dislike it that much it's because I like the other episodes so much more yeah, but you would put P nine one one over damn over Honor Among Thieves, like or under Honor Among Thieves, really? Oh, actually, that's a really good point. Okay, I'm gonna do Honor Amongst Thieves at sixteen. Okay. How do you spell? Cause, okay. Because I was like, also, it's just Honor Among Thieves, not amongst. Oh my god! I got you. I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. Because I really think Honor Among Thieves was not a good episode. Like, it was great because we got Emily's MILF mom. Wonderful, great. <laughs> love that. Overall, though, we talked. No, that right. case was confusing and sucked. It was. Like, it was. Yeah, so I'll put Honor Among Thieves at 16. For 15, I have P911. I think my 15... Hmm. The fact that you also haven't put Fisher King Part 2 down yet? Wow. I like Fisher King Part 2. Oh, I gave it a 4. For real you did? Because that's not what the numbers say, bestie. (laughs) I mean, it's a bad episode. Okay, here's the thing. When we rank them, it's, is this a good episode or is this a bad episode? Number 1 through 10. When we rank the episodes amongst each other, it's, do I like this episode? You know, that's different. Yeah. I I can, I like, one of my favorite shows is Criminal Minds. I can know something is terrible and still really like it. <laughs> yeah. I think my 15 mm-hmm. is I think I'm going to put Psychodrama down because that's sort of the last of my lower rankings. Yeah. And I do, like I said, I do really like that episode. I love, number one, I love heist and bank robbing media for some reason. Uh, It's because I hate banks. But mostly it's because usually it's fun. (laughs) And so I do enjoy psychodrama quite a lot. All right, what are you, we're getting up into the top. I know. Top half of the season. What are you putting for 14 is sex, birth, death? I think that's actually very fair. I think I'm going to go with you on sex birth death at at rank 14 yeah uh, it's what 10th from the bottom 9th from the bottom yeah Yeah. okay number 13 
I think it's time for me to put the Fisher King part two. Oh, thank fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God I can get that one out of here. Goodbye. It's funny to see how weighted the the front half of the season is like at the bottom of our list, at least for me. What are you putting for 13? I think no way out to the evolution of Frank. Mm-hmm. Because I uh, don't like it. <laughs> I realize that it is important to the season overall. Still kind of sucks ass. And you're putting it at number 12? Yeah, number 12 is no way out to the evolution of Frank. <laughs> All right. What's your number 12? Girl, I wish I fucking knew. It's gotta um, be the last word, right? I like the last word. I think it's an interesting case. Hmm. I think it's an interesting case, and maybe I don't like the big game quite as much. Revelations. Oh, those are my next two, don't worry. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't like these episodes. Yeah. Um, I think my rank 12 is going to be the big game. Wait, I think my rank 12 is going to be Revelations, and then my rank 11 is going to be the big game. Mm-hmm. So for me, I put 11 Revelations and 10 the big game. So you need a number 10 now. I need a number 10, and maybe that's where... No, actually, maybe that's where Jones goes. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Jones is number 10 for you. Yes, Jones is number 10 for me. I put my number 9 as Distress. Distress is your number 9. You finally ranked it. Again, that was my number 19. Oh, wow. So, you know. God, this is so hard. Like, there's some I wish I could rank on the same level. Like, I wish I could put... North Merman, Ashes, and Dust, and Open Season on the same level. Yeah, they are all kind of on the same. Well, Ashes and Dust and Open Season are definitely on the same level for me. Um, I'm going to put Open Season as my rank nine. That makes sense. I'm going to put Open Season as my eight. Open Season as your eight? Okay, fair, fair. I think that's fair. It's getting difficult now. Yeah, it's hard. These are good episodes. What's my what's my number eight? What's my number eight gonna be? I know it tugged on my heartstrings, but I think my number eight is gonna be P nine one one. Okay. I enjoyed that episode. I think it's definitely top ten of this season. I think I don't know as though it's one of the top five of this season for sure. No. You know, and like I'm gonna put Ashes and dust at seven. That's just what I was about to say. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah ashes and dust. Good ep. Number one. All these top ten eps. Good eps for yeah. sure. For six, I'm going to put no way out. That's gonna be your no way out. You already put no way out. The act, the actual first No Way Out. Oh, I was like, you already did that, bestie. <laughs> no Way Out Part One. <laughs> no Way Out Part One, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank. <laughs> oh my gosh, No Way Out Part One, 
to be frank, and No Way Out Part 2, the evolution of Frank. You're about to make me evolve. <laughs> I couldn't find a good way to say it. Evolve. <laughs> like, evolve. I don't know. Evolve. <laughs> I don't know. Um, How do you conjugate evolution? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I am going to go with you in No Way Out Part One, just Frank, as the number six. Now we get into the top five of the season, and the ones that <sighs> I have, the ones that we have left to rank overall, um, is North Mammon, Empty Planet. You've already done the last word. Um, profiler profiled. I've already done Jones, but James still has that and Legacy. What is a Legacy? <sighs> I wish we had a physical studio so I could wring your little neck. I'm just a stinker. Just a little stinker. <laughs> just a rap scallion. Just a little, just a little mischievous guy. <laughs> okay, number five. My number five is the last word. My number five is legacy. Your number five is legacy. Legacy is going to be my number four. Okay. Really good episode. I mean, you ranked it a six. I ranked it a ten because I I don't know why I did that. I think I just did it to cause problems on purpose. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's the best episode of season two obviously but i think it is absolutely worthy of a top five spot no matter what way you're looking at it i think the case is good and i do love a good old kansas city mention what are you doing for number four james i'm doing jones okay i think it's an important setup to jj's whole deal i think it's a good twist to have a female serial killer mm -hmm. it's reed is in his feelings I like it. Reed's just having a time. Yeah. And for Okay, my number so now we have the top three. Let's go for the top three. Okay. North Mammon. Soccer Kids case really fucked me up emotionally. Yes. Very, very emotionally taxing episode. We have Empty Planet. Good. Bomber with mommy issues. Really good lots, episode. Lots to talk about in terms of transhumanism. It was a really, it was also and, a very good episode of our podcast, Wheels Up, I will yes. say. We also agreed to get matching tattoos of this episode. <laughs> yes, yes, robot, robot. I'm so excited. Literally, I'm so excited. When we <laughs> meet then, in person, we'll go together. Okay, okay. Uh, and then we also have uh, Profiler Profiled. Yes. So what's your rank three? I'm putting North Mammon at three. I was going to do the same thing. Also a great episode of our podcast, Wheels Up. We had special guest Belle on. Hell yeah. And that was a very good app. For number two, I'm putting Empty Planet. Yeah. And, and then... Obviously. And a move that surprises nobody. Number uh, one. Profiler Profiled is number one. Absolutely. Do we want to... We should read our lists. Okay. Okay. So, Going from top to bottom. From best to worst, here's my ranking. Profiler Profiled, Empty Planet, North Mammon, Jones, Legacy, No Way Out, Ashes and Dust, Open Season, Distress, The Big Game, 
Revelations, No Way Out 2, The Evolution of Frank, The Fisher King Part 2, Sex, Birth, Death, P911, Honor Among Thieves, The Last Word, The Perfect Storm, The Boogeyman, Aftermath, Lessons Learned, Psychodrama, Fear and Loathing. And mine from best to worst uh, is Profiler Profiled, Empty Planet, North Mammon, Legacy, The Last Word, No Way Out, Just Frank, Ashes and Dust, P911, Open Season, Jones, The Big Game, Revelations, No Way Out 2, The Evolution of Frank, Sex, Birth, Death, Psychodrama, The Boogeyman, Aftermath, The Perfect Storm, Distress, Honor Among Thieves, The Fisher King Part 2, Lessons Learned, and Fear and Loathing. Yeah, interesting. So the things we agree on, Fear and Loathing fucking sucked. Uh, Lessons Learned fucking sucked. Uh, And then the early season episodes were just... They're good, but they're it gets better as things go on. Yeah, I also think we have a lot more. Like last season, we had last season we were mostly the same. Yeah, um, but just we a have quite a few that are like way different this season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like the last word is I think the biggest discrepancy. Um, along with I one one. Although I guess we both kind of put them in the middle. P911 is only separated by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven spots, whereas the last word is separated by 12. Mm. Uh, we have, like, this is. It's just. We really split this season. Yeah. Which I think is good. Because it shows that we do have different tastes in what makes good Criminal Minds, or at yeah. least what makes an okay episode of Criminal Minds. Right. You and I, I think we'll probably always agree on the best episodes, and the but worst. it's that like middle part that like just yeah. gets weird and funky. Hey, yeah. last season we did something fun, and I don't know if you remember we did this. We ranked all of our characters from favorite to wor- favorite to least favorite oh. on the team, and I think this season we might have some differences in opinions yeah so don't tell me what we did last season yet okay i want I will fresh because i have no memory funky fresh this season who was your who was your least favorite member of the team this season <sighs> it's hard because we also have here's the, what's making it difficult for me is like spencer kind of sucks this season i know we've and that's, talked about I, that Literally, I'm like, do I put him at the bottom? But I, I do like Spencer. I like Spencer in general. I think he kind of sucks this season. But also, Elle is here for just a little oh. bit. Remember? She's here yeah. for part of the season. She's a member of the team for part of the season. Is she ranked less highly than, than Spencer? I'm going to go ahead and just put Gideon at the bottom. Okay. Didn't see that one coming, but yeah, okay. Controversial. He's nothing to me. He sucks. But he, I think, is like, okay. He's like middling okay for this season for me. Yeah. I think at my rank seven of the team is, I think, gonna be Spencer. Is that mean of me to say? No. He didn't have any real highs for me, but he had some real lows. 
Yeah, actually. Like, like, sure, L had a real low for me, right? Obviously. But I just base level like her more than I liked Spencer this season. And I think Gideon was just like, sure, he's a nothing burger of a person, but like he didn't mm. offend me to my very core like Spencer does. He doesn't make me viscerally angry like Spencer Reed does. Yeah, but you know, you know, I always take the like, if it gives me feelings into account as kind of makes it higher. Like for me, like a nothing character is like worse than one that makes me have a lot of opinions. Okay, I mean, fair, yeah. So I think I'm going to put L next because I think they've like ruined her character this season. Yeah, I also think they definitely, they definitely, I think, fucked up her character. Yeah. For sure. And I think I'm going to put, but again, she gave me more positive emotions because I do just like her. Sorry, I love a girl boss. No, I'm just, we both are going off vibes, different vibes, but vibes. So don't put her next if you don't want to put her next. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Jason Gideon, and then Elle's going to be my third least favorite. I'm going to put Spencer as my third least. So we do have the same... Three bottom, just in the... The same trifecta of terrible at the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's... So that leaves us with Penelope, Derek, Hotch, and Emily. And JJ. And JJ, actually. Ooh, we need to move this down. Did you forget about JJ? No, I just for some reason only gave it eight spots. Maybe I'm dumb, but yeah, I might be stupid. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. I think it's because I didn't take into effect account the fact that whatever JJ and, or that Ellen Emily were different people. Whatever <laughs> that they took, you know, you know what yeah, I mean. I got you. Who's your this number? Who's your Who's your middle of the road? Uh... It's gonna be Penemily. it's gonna be penelope okay i like her a lot Mm -hmm. i like her a lot but i don't think anything major happened with her character this season correct like season one it was like oh my god we're just meeting them and i love her and next season is like oh my gosh all of this stuff but this season she was there and she was great and i love her but i think everybody else had more stuff what did Hotch do this season? Well, I'm thinking of like Ashes and Dust mm-hmm. of how he supported Yeah, about him with JJ in North Am North him with JJ in North Mammon and Ashes and Dust. I mean him in why would he say Ashes and Dust? And wait, him with JJ in North Mammon and Legacy, the way he supported her in both of those times. I'm true, thinking true. of how good he was for honor among thieves, how sympathetic he was with Elle in all of her drama. Okay. You know what? You've, you've convinced me. Him and Haley and lessons learned, you know, you've convinced me, but I still think he's going right above Penelope. Me too. Same thing. No, same thing. I'm going to put for number three, Jennifer Jero. Okay, explain that, because I'm doing the same thing. Sure. 
I sorry, there's a cat screaming for my attention. <laughs> I put Jennifer Jura third because I think she had incredible growth this season, starting with like, what's her job? Who is she? What's going on? Wool sweater, hate it. To the end of the season, when she's running the show and picking cases and she's earned Hotch's trust. And, and legacy she, when she's the one who finds out that they can take the case. Yes, exactly. And the fact that she's having her like bisexual awakening. <laughs> you know? Elle <laughs> yeah. unlocked the door and Emily kicked that bitch open. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. My... This is hard, too. Okay. Because Derek and Emily both did such good work this season. Like, I love Emily and I love the way she's introduced and I love, I just, she does such good work for her first season here. Right? Yes. But the way Shamar Moore plays Derek. Absolutely. Is just... No, absolutely. This is so good. And Derek is such a top-tier character for, like, all of the whole run of Criminal Minds. Mm -hmm. But, like, this season especially really felt like he was coming into his own. And then, like, profiler profiled. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't... No, I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm going to say that I'm putting Emily second. I'm putting Emily so high, even though she's only there for half the season, because she just comes in swinging with intrigue. And you want to know more about her, but she's not giving you anything. But at the same time, you feel like you really know her right away. And she's such a good teammate. And she's so fucking pretty. She's so fucking pretty. I think Derek Morgan, you know, season two, for all that we're judging it on its own, doesn't exist in a vacuum. And thinking about Derek Morgan, season one Derek Morgan, through season two, he just had such growth and just really cemented his good guy vibes. Like Empty Planet, where he stays with the woman by the car. Amazing. Profiler profiled. Amazing. Jones, when he keeps trying to talk to Reed no way out when he's standing up to Frank. All these moments in the big game and revelations when he's so worried about Reed. I think that he just, and all of his good moments with children this episode and all the times he gets to just fucking football tackle people. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. So yeah. So I would definitely put him as my number one this season. Yeah. Next season. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. The thing is, the thing that's good about this is, like, we can go back and look at our season one rankings. It's on the same spreadsheet, mm-hmm. by the way. It's a tab down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, we ranked everybody the same last season, where Aaron Hotchner was number one, then Penelope, JJ, Derek Morgan, El Greenaway, Spencer Reed, and Jason Gideon down at the bottom again. <laughs> um, Real big shuffle this season. Yeah. Like, Derek and Emily, obviously, like, both coming in swinging, dude. Yeah, Derek number one, Hutch, down to number four. All the way down to four, yeah. I think... It's really good, and I think it's indicative of, like, 
they tried to focus on the characters more this season, the mm-hmm. main the main characters more, and like it showed that we had so much more to work with and rank them off of this season yes. than we did in season one. Like season one, Hotch Hotch won that character thing because he was just like he was the only one that I felt like we knew really in yeah. season one. And yes. this is like you have you know their home lives more. You know Derek has sisters and he's a mama's boy and like you know Emily has a milf of a mom that she has a lot of issues with (laughs) you know JJ hates going home but she'll fight for like there's so much more meat on the bones of these characters this season and I think it will super be interesting to see how they rank throughout the whole scope of the show, which is why right. I keep everything on one spreadsheet. Because I'm gonna make some sick fucking tables, dude. This shit's gonna be great. <laughs> some graphs, some nice. Oh yeah, there's graphs. gonna be some graphs. Oh, it's gonna be one of those little like charts so you can see how up <laughs> and down these characters go. Oh, yeah. chef's kiss, chef's kiss, chef's kiss. I'm really excited. Me too. Here's the thing. Season one was a bit of a slog. Oh, yeah, I know. It was a bit of a slog. Season two felt like a lot less of a slog. Yeah, actually. So we. It I think felt we... like more an enjoyable season of TV to watch. Absolutely. And, you know, we've recorded the last, what, five or six episodes really close together because you're moving yeah. and stuff. And it's been a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to watching the episodes and talking about them. Whereas if we had to do this with season one, it would have been like, yay, we're getting through it. But I also like needed the two week break to hype myself up to watch the next season one episode. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ugh. Yeah. And like season one, I left off at the end of season one. I was really excited to watch season two because I knew mm-hmm. that season two was going to be so much better than season one. Yeah. I am excited to watch season three, not because I know it's going to be so much better, but because I know there's a lot of interesting storylines that they're going to work with on season in season three. Gideon leaves. Emily has like a whole lot of stuff. Like they left some really interesting. Rossi shows up. There's a lot of really interesting things that we get to pick apart in season three. And so I'm not excited for season three because like, Thank God it's not season two. I'm excited for season three because season two was really good. And I know that like there's hope now. We are entering the land of the sun. We're entering to the land of good criminal minds. I'm looking forward to season three because they continue this trend of focusing on characters, of giving us interactions between them, of storylines that directly involve the team. And cases become more it becomes less like there's a case and these are the people who happen to be solving it and more about how these people react to cases and i i know it's semantic difference but i think it really changes the way the show is portrayed and i really like it and season three starts with a bang right away character stuff and it just continues all the way through and it gets really gay and i like it season three we've talked about this a lot where like season one and the beginning part of season two felt like just a continuation of season one yeah season three is like its own 
whole thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. season three is a full season of good criminal minds that we get to watch. <laughs> you know? A whole full good season and not just half a good season. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. It's not yeah. like half a good season and a TV movie and a whatever. Like this is a full good season and has some really good episodes and oh. I'm so excited. Yeah, I also think that there's a lot, the conversations we'll have will be a lot different in season three and mm -hmm. moving forward. It'll be less just like, here's what happens in the episode. And we'll finally be able to connect some dots and to look at, here's how this character changes because of this episode. And we know this is important because of the past two seasons and things like that. We're really getting to a point where there's enough behind us to reflect on the show. Yeah. Yeah, we're really getting to that point where, like, we can reference our own lore now. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm also going to start doing all my notes. Maybe I'll type up my past notes because it's really nice to be able to be like, pin this and highlight that, you know, and I've been going. And we'll come back to that later. Yeah, and I think there was one moment where I went, wait a minute, and I went back to a previous, you know, document and found the reference. And I'm, I'm enjoying that aspect of it. Me, Jay, is enjoying the finding those connections and those storytelling dots. Um, and I really like it. And I think that this podcast, now that I'm thinking about it, is going to turn into a mini, like, <laughs> masterclass on long-form storytelling, what not to do and what to do. Because yeah. of the in-depth nature of our analysis. Don't let anyone call something a deep dive if it isn't at least two hours long. <laughs> None of this 30-minute deep dive nonsense. None of this. None of this. The other thing, though, is like, there's 15 years of Criminal Minds that we yeah. watch and process and, like, look at. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm -hmm. 15 years of this. And now we're finally getting to the point where, like, we can talk about the first two seasons and now we have right. almost 50 episodes to reference back and come back. Like, mm -hmm. it's just really good. I think I'm also not like, not that I was ever dreading doing this for 15 years, but in season one, it was hard to see the fun in doing this for so long. <laughs> and now I'm like, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait to get to season three. Yeah, no, I get, I understand completely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now that we've talked about looking forward, what about looking back? Rank, which is better, one or two? We have to rank two. our seasons. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, two. Two. No, season two. For yeah. sure. Two. No, yeah. Absolutely not like. Absolutely not No one. question. No question. <laughs> no. Nobody is shocked. Nobody is surprised. I'm sure when we have like six or seven seasons to rank, it'll be a lot harder. But I know for a fact that one will forever be on the bottom. No need to worry. 1 through 15, 1's on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I think... I think maybe... We will start doing this probably once we reach season 4, because it's more fun when we have, like, a full bracket. But sure. when we start ranking the first, like, the best episodes of the seasons oh, against right. each other, that's going to be fun. But I think right now it wouldn't be fun, because obviously... 
literally any top five episode from this season beats derailed period <laughs> like sorry <laughs> it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a big fight right now i can't even i wouldn't even bother putting it into a march madness style bracket i'll i'll do that once we reach season four but like we could do best of the best and worst of the worst oh for sure we are yeah i'm taking top five bottom or top four bottom four <laughs> putting Perfect. it into a march madness bracket and everybody wins everybody loses <laughs> so that's a wrap on season two do you have an well, I, was gonna, quote? I was gonna say some more stuff <laughs> i don't know For season two do we that's not a, i mean i rainmaker how about you want it is that season two <laughs> i <laughs> we need to do brackets for my stupid ending quotes. <laughs> I really enjoyed this season. And I had a good time doing this podcast with you, James. I had a really good time doing this podcast with you. So well, we've talked about a little bit how we've known each other for like five years now. Yeah. But in kind the of insane. Kind of wild. I met you through the shoot server the person of interest server that i made back in 2017 still, still a great show such a good show and we talked a little bit like we always had very good like vibes i think but we were not like friends friends and then i made a tumblr post in 2020 about yeah. criminal minds and you sent me a private message and you said, wow, amazing. Thank God. Criminal Minds is great. I'm so happy you've watched it. And I, at the time, off Tumblr, was trying to convince someone, anyone, to talk about Criminal Minds with me. Please do a podcast <laughs> with me, please. And I said to you, B, we barely knew each other. I didn't even know you had another podcast. And I said, hey, do you want to do a Criminal Minds podcast? And you said, Sure. Immediately. immediately in hindsight probably not my best snap decision in my life <laughs> it was like, one of those things that it was like we're gonna do this it's gonna be great you've signed up for 15 years of friendship i hope we like each other and now we have a podcast mortgage <laughs> right and it's so funny thinking back because again barely had spoken yeah, and yeah. committed to I had never heard your voice <laughs> we barely knew each other and now I'm like oh thank god kindred <laughs> spirits definitely besties <laughs> hell yeah don't make snap decisions like we did because it no. probably won't turn out as well for you what I if... so hate to break it to everybody else but like this is a one in a million <laughs> podcast mortgage oh. friendship that we made <laughs> If this had happened with anybody else, oh my god, no! Disaster. It just happened. We we just thank God we vibed like immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's been a good two years. We've it's been, been a good this. two years. I can't wait for the next thirteen. Yeah. So oh I think we're going to try and start doing weekly episodes, starting with season three. So Try is the opportune word here. Yeah, so that it's, you know, seven years instead of 15 years. And, and then all of the bonus extras. The fucking, um, what is it? Fucking criminal behavior and beyond borders. No, it, is it criminal behavior? 
I thought it was like criminal intent. No, that's a that's an SVU. Suspect. It's suspect behavior. Sorry, suspect behavior. Criminal mind, suspect behavior. Criminal mind beyond borders. We'll be talking about the reboot as it happens. God, and... yeah, that too. Fuck. I know. We never. We've locked ourselves in a prison here. I know. Prison of our own design. So, yeah, we're gonna try and start doing weekly episodes. I think it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Let us know, and please, and I mean this, let us know if you have feedback on our setup, you know, the way that we talk about episodes, if there's something you'd like to hear us talk more about or less about, do you like the research aspect? Well, I was going to say, do you want us to be less gay, but that's not going to happen. No, absolutely not. I only plan to get gayer. Oh, yeah, very nice. See, once you have a wife, we'll the legal <laughs> then, <laughs> then we can wonder twins powers this shit out. Hell yeah. <laughs> Get be a wife challenge. Parasocial your way into a girlfriend, bestie. No, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. What, you would never date a fan? Probably not. We do, have like four do, fans. I was going to say, I was going to be like, shout out to our... Number one listeners, Belle, Mel, and Celine, who message us after every episode. <laughs> and if you were to, if you too would like to become a bestie, reach out to us, tweet at us, do things with us, around us, in our direction. I don't know what that means. Instagram, email us. <laughs> That's concerning, actually. The way you worded that is concerning. I don't know how to make friends. So you can message me first. <laughs> Thank you. you can message us <laughs> on any social media at Wheels Up Pod. Uh, we have a Twitter, Insta, and Tumblr. Uh, you can also, if you'd like to, leave us voice messages on anchor.fm slash wheels up pod. Uh, and you can also, if you want to, email us uh, wheelsup at brightcrownmedia.com. Uh, also, we will have merch coming soon. I know we promise, but it's coming soon. I really do promise, guys. Guys, I yeah. so promise. Nice. That's it for this episode of Wheels Up. That's it for this whole season. We done. We're done. We did it. We did it. Congrats. We have survived yet another year of our podcast mortgage. I look forward to the next 13 or so. James... One last time this season. Do you got an Indian quote for me? Like Criminal Minds, this podcast is the little train that could. And we're just gonna keep chugga 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 ch